Amen. Welcome, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Tim Harris, pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church, almost pastor of Seagrove Beach in Florida. Man, if there were any churches to plant down there, I would have, I would have planted one of those. Yeah, God bless you guys. I missed you so much. I love vacation. I love the beach, y'all. I have never in my life had a bad day on the beach. It rains, tropical storms, water spouts, jellyfish, whatever. Just bring it on. I, I just love Love it so much. Cafe, good morning to you guys. Welcome to all of you. Let's dig right in. Open your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. Now, this is one of those passages nobody ever preaches. I don't preach this passage. Nobody preaches this passage. And then I go on vacation and John Mark Toby comes in and preaches this passage. And I'm going to turn around and preach it again because, because it's, it's my plan. Uh, but anyway, you're really going to understand this floating axe head by the time this is all over. You've, you've heard it preached a couple of times now. It's a good passage. While back, I had a Woodburn neighbor uh, who didn't really, he and his wife didn't really attend a local church at all. Instead, they um, would sort of travel all over the all over the place, all over the country, going uh, to sort of big Pentecostal crusades, miracle services. They were a part of the third wave uh, revival, and they, and they loved very much going and finding those services with, with signs and wonders. So he would go to one of those big services like on Saturday night, and then he would come to my office on Tuesday morning and tell me all about it. Uh, his aim was always to, to get me to believe more. He felt like that uh, he could see something of the Holy Spirit in me, but not enough. And he just thought if he could goose me a little bit that, that I would begin to have a, a power, faith to move with signs and wonders. He, he said we were close here at Woodburn. He said one time in service here, he found an angel feather on one of the pews. Angel feather. Now, he said in the services where he would go, literally, that God would rain down gold dust and angel feathers on people when they worshiped. He said, we had an angel feather once. Uh, I guess if we had more, we vacuumed them up. We sucked them up in the vacuum clean. <laughs> no, gold dust, uh, angel feathers, when they worshiped, that, that, he was serious. And honestly, look it up. I mean, people say that that happens in certain places. Uh, he came in one Tuesday really excited about a Saturday night service he had attended in Nashville because he says at that particular service, God gave out gold teeth. He's very serious. God gave out gold teeth. The evangelist preaching apparently read the passage from Psalms where it says, open your mouth and I will fill it. I don't make this stuff up. The evangelist read, open your mouth and I will fill it, which is a Bible verse. And then he told everybody to look in each other's mouths that God was going to give out gold teeth. And so they started looking in each other's mouths. And sure enough, people said they were finding fillings, like gold fillings that they didn't have before. Dental manifestations of the Holy Spirit. They would find gold teeth and gold fillings and gold caps. Um, and, and they said that was from God, that God was just handing out gold, gold teeth. He was so excited about that. In my office, he said, look right here, open it. So he opens his mouth and I look in and there in the back was the filling, big old ugly tooth and a filling. And he said, look at it close. Isn't it gold? I said, it's, gold, it's silver, so it's gold, maybe gold. He said, and it's in the shape of the cross and no dentist ever did that. He said, it came from God. Um, I don't, I don't know, y'all. I mean, I don't ever doubt what God is able to do. I have no questions about what God can do. God is a God of the impossible, and he can do anything. And if God wants to hand out gold teeth, you know, hook, hook me up, I guess. I'll have a grill, you know, and I'll be awesome. I don't doubt what God can do, but I don't always presume to know what God will do. 
And at the very same time, I'm not sure that even though God works miracles, I'm not sure that I get a miracle every time I ask for it. I'm just not sure that the Christian life is one in which angel feathers are constantly raining down from heaven. And and to help us think about that this morning, turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, and and let's talk a bit about this God of miracles, 2 Kings chapter 6. This is just a little bitty miracle story, but I like it. 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 1. One day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs and there we can build a new place for us to meet. It's it's a building program in the Old Testament. I love it. All right, he told him, let's let's go ahead. No, you please come with us, someone suggested. He, He said, I will. So Elisha went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Now, understand, an axe, if you had an axe, it was a very valuable tool, as John Mark Toby reminded you guys. This is the very beginning of the Iron Age, if you know anything about human civilization. So actually have a metal, an iron axe head would be very, very valuable. So Obviously, this young student pastor couldn't afford his own axe, okay? So he's borrowed an axe. And now as he swings it, the axe head flies into the river. Oh, no, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall, the man of God asked. And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Now, does iron float? No, no. The iron actually floats to the surface, and Elisha says, grab it. And the man reached out and grabbed it. It's just a a, a little miracle. But honestly, this is the kind of miracle I want more of in my life. You can have all the angel feathers you want. You can have all the gold teeth you want for that matter. I mean, I mean, go for it. I want this kind of miracle right here. These are the kind of miracles that, that I constantly pray for. You understand? The, the little everyday sorts of, of things. When your axe head falls into the river or your iPhone falls onto the pavement and you're picking it up and what are you doing? Oh, God, please don't let the screen be broke. Oh, God, please don't let the screen be broke. You know, this is the kind of miracle that I want. This is a miracle that I need. I'm driving through town. I'm praying that God will just let the light stay green. Let that light stay green. Oh, God, please let that light stay green. Do you pray those kind of prayers? I, I just want the little miracles. I want good Wi-Fi when I sit down and open up my, you know, my, I want good Wi-Fi in the places where I go. I want uh, lights, traffic lights to, to work in my favor. I, I just want these everyday sort of small things, you understand? I don't want to get sunburned on the beach. I don't want pimples on my nose. I just pray for, for these little things. And, and honestly, is there anything too small to take to God? Is there anything, any request, any desire too small to turn into a prayer? If God is a God who does the impossible, and if Jesus is the one who said, ask and you shall receive, then honestly, there can't be anything wrong with asking. God is a God who can do all things, and if he can do all things, then honestly, these little bitty things I'm asking for certainly shouldn't be too much too much to request. Uh, Honestly, the book of James says this, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. 
You have not because you ask not, the scriptures say. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Scripture says ask, and I believe in asking, and honestly, I'm an asker. I pray all the time, and I'm constantly asking God for things, and I'm asking God for small things. Lots of these things would classify as miracles or things I can't do on my own. They're things I can't expect just as consequences of natural events. I want God's intervention in small ways, in small things, and the scripture says just ask. There's nothing wrong with asking, so I do. I pray about Wi-Fi. I pray for my iPhone. I pray for all sorts of things. I pray that the stomach virus that y'all are getting, I won't get. I mean, I pray for these things. Just small miracles. You have not because you ask not. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Okay? So the Bible establishes that God is a powerful God who works miracles. The Bible establishes that God is a loving father who loves to do good things for his children. And the Bible establishes that if you need something, you should just go ahead and ask for it. Don't ever hesitate to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. All right. So here's the dilemma. God is a God who can do all things. He can do the impossible. And he's a God who tells us to go right on ahead and ask for the impossible. And I do all the time, and you do too. We ask God for miracles all the time. But I don't get miracles every time I ask for them. I don't get everything I ask God for, and especially when it comes to impossible things. I don't get a miracle every time I ask for it. I mean, who was the old evangelist who said, expect a miracle? I can expect it all you want, but you're not going to get one every time. Now, why is that? Why is it that we don't see more miracles? Now, James chapter 4, verse 2 says you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. But the very next verse, James 4, 3 says this. And even when you ask, even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. James says you ask wrongly. You only want what will give you pleasure. I I said that it's okay to ask, and it is. There's nothing wrong with asking, but understand something. You're not going to get everything you ask for because lots of times we ask wrongly. That's what James says. We ask wrongly. In other words, you can ask, but sometimes I pray for things that honestly I probably don't have any right to ask for. Not a single amen on that. Do you agree that sometimes we ask for things that, honestly, we probably shouldn't even be asking for? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with asking, but but sometimes I ask for miracles that I really probably shouldn't expect because I'm asking wrongly. My, My motives are all wrong. You only want things that will give you pleasure. You see, God's not just gonna give out anything that you want. God's not just shaking miracles into your life like pepper from the shaker. Do you understand God does not give me everything I want because lots of times what I'm asking for is probably something very, very selfish. I pray a lot of selfish prayers. As a matter of fact, most of what I pray is just so, it just comes from, bubbles up from inside of me. And what's inside of me is a whole lot of self-interest and a lot of self-concern. So I end up asking for things that are incredibly selfish. And this is what Scripture says. You you really can't expect to get every selfish thing you ask for. And honestly, a lot of the things we pray for are actually silly. Just silly, selfish things. I, I mean, just stop and think about it. 
You're you're wanting to go to a a miracle service where God rains down angel feathers and God just hands out gold teeth. Do you really think God's just handing out gold teeth for rich Christians when there are children starving in the world? Do you really think that that every time I pray that God will bless my iPhone, that God's going to protect my iPhone screen? While meanwhile, there are people suffering with cancer or there are people suffering in horrible ways. And and somehow, somehow God is going to grant me, you understand, uh, protection for my iPhone screen. While while, meanwhile, people suffer with, with, with cancer or all kinds of horrible sorrows. Do you understand what I'm saying? I just think sometimes we should stop and and listen to ourselves pray and ask ourselves, what is it it I'm really asking for? What is it that I actually want? And do I have any right to ask for this? Did you understand? Your bad hair day is just not a heavenly emergency. Do you understand? The fact that you're driving around on E and you're asking God to get you to the next gas station. You understand? You're in a car. There are people suffering all around the world. And you and I, we continue to just pray the silliest, most selfish prayers. And the scripture says when you ask for these things, don't be surprised if you don't get it. Don't be surprised. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to ask. But I'm just saying it's probably wrong to ask and then get mad at God when you don't get it. You can ask. But don't necessarily expect God to answer every one of your selfish, silly prayers. And a lot of our prayers are selfish and silly. Ask yourself as you pray for these things, would a righteous God actually grant me this? Would a righteous God actually make this a focus of his concern? Well... What about this axe head? That's what some of you are thinking. You, you know what? This, this dude just dropped his axe. That doesn't sound like a heavenly emergency either. And it's not. I mean, what's the difference in this guy dropping his axe head and, and, and you dropping your iPhone? I mean, what really is the difference? An axe head's a very expensive bit of technology in his day, and your iPhone is a very expensive bit of technology in your day. How is this miracle-worthy? And your little prayers that the preacher's now you know, throwing out into the dirt, how is it that your prayers aren't miracle-worthy? What do you think? Honestly, you have a good point. It's just an axe head. It's just one guy, one poor guy. And honestly, he probably couldn't afford to replace it. And and that's the emergency for him. It was borrowed. In other words, he can't afford to to pay it back. He just borrowed the axe. He could use it and return it. He couldn't afford his own axe. And now he can't afford to replace it. it. It is a minor emergency for this guy. But life is full of minor emergencies. And when it's your minor emergency, it doesn't seem minor. It seems major. So why is it that the prophet Elisha, this, I mean, pay attention to this miracle. It's amazing. He said, where'd you drop it? Uh, you ever been by the creek or the river? You know, where, where'd you drop it? Man, out there, it's like right there somewhere. I don't know. It just flew, boop. Is it like right there? So Elisha gets like a stick. Some people think maybe he, he made a new handle for the axe or something and, and pitched it in there. And at the place where the stick hit the water, what happened? The axe had just floated up. 
Axe heads don't float, y'all. That's the miracle part. It just floated up. And then Elisha said, I grabbed that. You understand? It ain't going to float forever. I grabbed that. Got his axe back. Man, that's a miracle. But how does that rank above all the things I pray for? I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? How does God decide which, which miracles he's going to grant, which requests he's going to grant? Because we do, we all pray for a lot of really small things. It may seem small to the world, but it's big to us. How do you know? How does God decide? Well, basically, I would simply say this. God works miracles for his reasons and not yours. God works miracles for his reasons and not yours. God's ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. God's plan is always much, much larger. So whatever God is doing, it's for his reasons and not necessarily yours. Now, let's just be honest. Miracles are rare. They're rare in our lives. God is a God of miracles and God is a God for whom all things are possible. But, but miracles are rare. It's the kind of conversation I had with my friend all of those Tuesday mornings when he would tell me that gold dust should be falling out of the sky when we worship. I just don't really think that those sorts of manifestations are common. I'm not saying they don't happen and can't happen. I'm just saying you're not going to find an angel feather on every pew. Even in Scripture, miracles are rare. Like, in this whole Bible, I only find one place where an axe head floats. I mean, you understand that that's a rare thing, and that's what makes it a miracle, that that's what makes it a story that we tell. This doesn't happen all the time. When, when people get sick and then experience miraculous healing, that doesn't happen all the time. When 5,000 people are fed with loaves and fish, Jesus is able to do that, but it doesn't happen very often. When Peter steps out of the boat and walks on water, I think he does that one time. That, that did not become his new mode of transportation. Even in Scripture, miracles are, are very, very rare. Read the whole Bible. Read the whole book. Honestly, you'll see miracles in, in clusters, miracles around particular moments in, in, in salvation history, particular times. And all of these miracles, they all have to do with what God is doing in the world. They all have to do with God's greater plan. Now, in this particular part of Scripture, First and Second Kings, there is a cluster of miracles that all occur around the ministries of Elijah and Elisha, God's prophets. And it's fairly clear that, that in this particular moment in salvation history, in God's work for the whole world, that God is trying to establish and document the power and the authority of his prophets to speak his word. So in this particular instance, there's a cluster of miracles around the prophets, and that is for the purpose of establishing the authority of God's word through the prophets. And, and this particular miracle falls into that cluster of miracles. But I'm telling you, not every prophet's making axe heads float. And I'm just trying to help you understand, miracles are rare. Even in Scripture, they're rare. And this story we're reading here, this is a rare thing. So when God works miracles, he's doing it for his own reasons, his own purposes. And his reasons, his purposes are perfect. Always perfect. God does what he does and he does all things well. About a year ago, almost now, I was told I had colon cancer, though. 
Y'all remember? Man, I prayed and I prayed and y'all prayed with me and I just prayed and prayed and prayed. I say that we pray for a lot of silly and selfish things, and, and we do. But even sometimes in, in my selfishness and my silliness, I'm desperate. Amen. You know what I mean? Just desperate. I'm not the first man to get colon cancer. You understand? I'm not, not the last, and I wasn't entitled to anything. I mean, lots and lots of people die with that disease. Maybe selfish to ask for a miracle, but I, I desperately wanted it, you know. So in the sermon, I've been saying, you know, dropped iPhones and, you know, lost car keys and all these minor things. But, but some of you in this house, they some of you in the sound of my voice, your, your disappointment with God is not because you never found your car keys. Your disappointment with God, your anger with God is not because, you know, the traffic lights aren't always green for you. That's probably not it. It's probably a, a miracle that you were praying for that may not have even had anything to do with you. It may have been for a loved one who was sick or parents who were about to divorce. And you're just asking God to make this happen, asking God out of desperation. I mean, selfish if you want it to be, but, it, but it's just desperate. It's just the desire of your heart. So God does things for his reasons and not ours, but man, sometimes what God does is so difficult. I mean, sometimes when we pray and ask for help, we pray and ask for a miracle, and, and the answer seems to be no. It's, it's, it's devastating. Maybe God has reasons, but we don't see and we don't understand his reasons. How do we explain that? I, I really don't know that we can, but turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. I want you to turn. I'm going to have a verse on the screen, but I want you to see Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. If you're familiar with Scripture at all, Hebrews chapter 11 is kind of a famous passage, a famous chapter. It's famous because it's sometimes called the, the roll call of faith. Uh, it, it's sort of a, a rehearsal of all of the great people of faith throughout the scriptures. And it, it starts all the way back with Abraham. It starts back with Cain and Abel, actually, and all the way through, all the, way through the, the, the Bible story, Noah and Abraham and Sarah. All the way through the great people of faith, Jacob and Isaac and Joseph and Moses. All, all the way through. It talks about how they prayed and how they trusted God and how they moved and obeyed and their stories are, are amazing. But let's start in verse 32, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. You're talking about great people of faith now. How much more do I need to say? Verse 32. It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weaknesses were turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the dead. 
Now, those are the miracle stories. And and honestly, if you're going to plug my name in, I I want you to plug my name in right there. I want to be with the people quenching flames of fire. I want to be with the people who get their dead ones back to life. I want to be in that group. You understand? But, But it goes on. Others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. This is the the, the chapter where we're talking about champions of faith. And honestly, there are two kinds of stories that you can tell and all kinds of stories in between. Amazing stories of miracles, amazing stories of getting exactly what you prayed for, stories of escape and deliverance and rescue, and they're beautiful. But then there are other stories you can tell too where people were not rescued, where they were not healed, where they did not get what they prayed for. I mean, both kinds of stories. How do you make sense of this? And how do you know which one of these stories is going to be yours? I don't know that you can. I don't know that you know how this story is going to turn out. I don't think you can know. And when you pray, you don't ever doubt what God can do, but you don't know what he's going to do. You never know what God's going to do. You just don't know. So what does the scripture say? Verse 39, here we go. All these people earned a good reputation because of their, say the word, faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us. So that they would not reach perfection without us. Okay, that's how the chapter ends. It all comes together right there. What's the scripture saying? Read it again. God had something better in mind. We're talking about them, all of these people. They didn't necessarily receive everything they prayed for. They didn't all get their miracle. They didn't get everything even God had promised. But God had something better in mind for us. Okay, all of a sudden, it's not just their story, it's us, it's our story. What God was doing in their lives had something to do with what God is doing in our lives now. Do you see that? God had something better in mind, and it has to do with us. So all of us, our stories are all connected here somehow, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Do you see that? Every story connected. Their stories, the miracle stories, the stories of people who who died in horrible situations, all of that comes together, and we're taken up in that too. God has something better in mind for all of us. Okay, what's the Scripture saying here? Remember I said that God does things for His reasons, not ours. What is God's reason? What is God's great purpose? What is his giant plan? We know. You can read the scriptures. You know Jesus. God's great plan is to save the world. God's great plan is to make all things new, a new heaven and a new earth. God's great plan is to wipe away all tears. 
Every tear from all their eyes. God's great plan is to create a world and we're going to live in it where there is no more sickness and no more sorrow and no more suffering and no more pain. Do you understand? This is God's great plan. This is what God is doing. But God's intention is to do it for all of us at once. In other words, the idea is that these people, those people who lived long ago, they weren't going to reach that perfect world. They weren't going to live in paradise until all of us get to live in paradise. You understand what God is doing is for the whole world at once, all of us together at once. But now, when it comes to me, I want to live in that world now. I want God to wipe away my tears now. I want God to trade my sorrows now. I want God to deliver me from every trial, every sort of problem. I want God to make a way out of no way for me now. I want all of that now. But you understand, God has something better in mind for all of us together. It's going to happen for all of us one day. It may not happen for me today. I want it. You do too. I want the easy pass. I want the shortcut around all the mess. I just want to go straight to paradise, you know. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus says. I wanted to bypass all of that. I wanted my miracle. Remember elementary school waiting in the lunch line? Man, it's the longest line in the world. We're starving to death. Five trillion kids at Rich Pond Elementary School. We'd all be in line, long line, on one door up there where the cafeteria is just starving. There's always some fool kid, probably your kid. So some kid <laughs> would come up, and I'm in line, and somebody in front of me, and somebody would come up to the person in front of me and say, hey, can I get in front of you? That ever happened? I get in front of you? They say, yeah, get in front of me. So I get in front of them. I'm thinking... Wait, wait, when you got in front of her, you just also got in front of me, you understand? It wasn't just the person who said, yeah, get in front of me, you know? It got in front of everybody in the whole line behind everybody, you understand? And something me just goes, no! And then, you know, at Rich Pond, we started doing this, probably your kid was doing this. Say, can I get in front of you? He said, no, you can't get in front of me, but you can get behind me. <laughs> you ever do that? You can get behind me. Yeah. So then they get behind you and say, what? what? Uh, he's just getting behind me. There's something inherently unfair about that. You don't cut line. Understand? We're all waiting in line for the very same thing. You don't get to cut. You don't get to get in front of somebody. You don't get to get in f- behind somebody. You take your place in the line like everybody else. We'll all get there when we get there. Understand? And this is exactly what Hebrews 11 is saying. We'll all get there when we get there. We'll all get there when we get there. Sometimes my prayers are really not much more than asking for special treatment. I want God to deal specially with me. I want healing that nobody else gets. I I, I want miracles that nobody else gets. I want my iPhone to remain pristine. I want traffic lights to stay green for me. I want all of my loved ones to live long lives. I want to hold my grandchildren. I want to pick out my son's wife. I want all of these things. You understand? And there's no guarantee that any of those things are part of my life. I 
I'm just telling you that most of the time, when you drop your axe head, it's going to lay at the bottom of the river till Jesus comes. That's life. But will you trust Jesus even when you don't get your miracle? We trust him that even though he may not do all the good for you today, that in the end of this thing, it's all going to turn out good for all of us together. We're we're all in the same line. We're all going to get there when we get there. Will you trust him? Will you trust him even though we worship and angel feathers don't fall? No gold dust, no gold teeth even. Will you trust him? We trust them even when you pray and you pray and you pray. Seems like nothing happens. Will you trust him? He is a God for whom all things are possible. He's a God who says you have not because you ask not. Go ahead, ask. Doesn't hurt to ask. But understand, it's a God who can do all things, but we don't necessarily know what he will do. But everything he does is good. Will you trust him? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, there are some of us in this house today begging for a miracle, counting on a miracle. It may seem silly to other people. It may even be selfish to ask, Lord, but there's something in us. We, we ask because we don't have anybody else to ask, Lord. You're the only God, and you're the only one that we love and worship and adore, and you're the only one with the power to do what we ask. But God, teach us how to trust. Lord, sometimes the axe head falls and and miraculously, Lord, somehow it floats back to the top. Somehow, Lord, sometimes when we feel like our lives have been sunk, Lord, everything begins to float back up, Lord. We don't know how or always why that happens, but Lord, sometimes you let that happen. And we thank you and we rejoice and we love you, Lord, for that. The way sometimes you just make a miracle for us, Lord. We thank you for that. But sometimes you don't. Teach us to trust. Teach us, Lord, how to trust you. Even what we pray for is not what we receive. Teach us, Lord, to trust even when the news is bad. Teach us to trust, Lord, even when the axe head lays in the mud. Teach us to know, Lord, that even though this is not the day when you're going to wipe away every tear, you still promise that you catch every one of our tears in a bottle, Lord. They don't fall and you don't know. You know where we are and you know what time it is and you know what we need. So God, look down on us today. Hear our prayers, Lord. And if our prayers are silly and selfish, then teach us to pray. Teach us to trust. Teach us never to doubt that you're a God who can do the impossible, a God of miracles, Lord. But teach us to trust and love even when things don't turn out as we expect. God, you are good and God, you are great. 
and we have placed our lives in your hands. Lord, we know that everything you do is good in the end. So help us, Lord, to trust you, to walk in faith, knowing, Lord, that in the end, everything shall be well. Everything new. Until that day, Lord, give us strength and grace to face the days that we live. By your grace, by your strength, trusting you in all things, we pray in Jesus' name.